Hello, and welcome to all you NetSuite listeners out there. Thank you so much for tuning in to the NetSuite podcast. I'm Megan O'Brien, NetSuite's resident business and finance editor, which means that you have tuned in to our Office of the CFO series. And on this episode, I'm joined by Shauna Veal, CFO and Vice President at FarmChem, the sole manufacturer of the FarmCheck Sweat Patch, which is an FDA-approved wearable patch that continuously tests sweat for the presence of drugs. We talk about all topics, ranging from transitioning from public accounting to private companies, adapting quickly to a new industry as a finance and accounting professional, and even what the sport of cutting horses is. It all ties together, but you are gonna have to stay tuned to learn how. It's gonna be a fun episode. You're listening to the NetSuite Podcast, where we discuss what's happening within NetSuite, why we're doing it, and where we're heading in the future. We'll dive into the details about the software and the people at NetSuite who are behind all the moving parts. We'll also feature customer growth stories, discussing the ups and downs of running a company and how one integrated system can help your business continue to scale. Hi, Shauna. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. How are you doing today? Good, good. It's been a good day so far. Would it really be a podcast if we didn't do some sort of fun, cheesy icebreaker? I don't think so. (laughs) So here we go. What Olympic sport would you compete in if you could choose any of them? Talent and skill, it does not matter. What is the one where they, is it like the shuffleboard on ice? What is that one with the- Oh, curling. Yes. Yes, yep, that would be the one, I think. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, yep. I went through a phase of watching <laughs> curling in the last Winter Olympics. Yeah, that's what got um, us into it. Not into yeah. it, but you watching it. I, I And I'm Googling all these things, like why do they have timers? <laughs> why do they do this? It's a very intricate sport and I didn't know all the complexities behind it. I don't know all the rules either, but it looks like something I could physically do, you know? Yeah. Like like speed skating, Yeah, can't do that. There's you know? no, no. And like, I've seen people where it seems very unofficial, they're starting to curling where they were kind of like, yeah, I was in my thirties and one day I tried it and now I'm an Olympian. And I'm like, that's my sport. That's my sport too. <laughs> yeah, let's try that. Let's be Olympians now. No. Yes, that's my bucket list. All right, so. We're going all the way back to the beginning, college. You went to New Mexico State University for a bachelor's degree in accounting. So did you always know that you wanted to do accounting? Um, Yes, as nerdy as that sounds. Um, So my senior year in high school, I took a business class. So my parents owned a business, so I figured I better know how to do these things. And I fell in love with like the bank reconciliation and writing checks and like the physical paper aspect at that point in time of accounting. So I, I mean, that's what I went to college for. That never, I never changed my major. That was it the whole time. So, and I haven't changed it in my career either. I've never done anything else but that. What kind of business did your parents run? Real estate. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, they had real estate back back home. So. Oh, that's great. I, I love the decisiveness of that. Like yeah. just like. <laughs> This is what I like. I like the numbers. I think I got to college and I was like, I watched a lot of ER, so I'll be (laughs) pre-med. And I was like, wait, that makes no sense. I hate science and math. Oh, that's so funny. (laughs) So now I'm a writer. Well, my alternative was now that people ask me, like, what would you have done? Yeah. Nursing or teacher would have been the other two things, which are completely so far. Completely different. So far away from accounting. I I don't know. I can't explain it, but that's. (laughs) We're all, we all have different interests, you know, like. I, I just feel like, I don't know, maybe you'll do like a, a mid, midlife yeah, change. Yeah, like a midlife change and be like, nope, being a teacher now. Right, here we go. <laughs> so you were able to, is this correct, you were able to do your master's degree in accounting also at New Mexico State University within the same four years. Yep. How does that work? So I did my bachelor's in three and then my master's in one. Ooh, yeah. driven. Yeah, that was rough. It was a few 21 credit semesters summer school the whole like the whole time so I was on a mission yeah 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 you were ready to go yeah I mean we really like asking people around uh questions around people's educational paths because CFOs have a lot of different backgrounds and kind of kind of just vary on how they ended up 
getting into it. Right. Um, would you recommend getting a master's degree in accounting? Why or why not? I would say yes. You know, I did it because New Mexico had implemented the 150-hour credit requirement to be able to sit for the CPA exam. Mm -hmm. So at that point in time, it just made sense. Might as well get, if you're going to get 150 credit hours, get your master's degree. Like, why would yeah. you not do that? So that's what, that's what we were doing. Now, you know, I'm so far removed from the CPA exam and from college curriculum. I still think it's beneficial, um, only from the hiring aspect. People will look at you. You might get on top of the list with your resumes if you have your master's over just somebody who has a bachelor's degree. Yeah. We're noticing that more now now, you know, in all industries, when you start hiring out, mm -hmm. the more credentials you can put on the table, it's more likely for you to get looked at. The other, the second part of this question is, would you recommend getting it like right after, kind of like you did in this consolidated time frame, or would you recommend waiting to get a little more real world experience? And I put that in quotations. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. It's, that's a tricky one. Um, Cause so I did it straight school, no, no partying, no, you know, some college, you know, going to sports games or whatever. But, and when I got out of college, that's when all the real world life stuff happened. That's, you know, and I wouldn't be where I am now without doing it in that order. Had I waited a year, my life mm -hmm. would be very different. So, I mean, there's good and bads doing it both ways, I guess. Yeah. I don't really, I don't really have a good, a good recommendation for that. It depends on. I guess it honestly depends on you. Do you want to get started in the real world now or do you want to go travel for a year and then maybe get your master's degree and start in the real world? There's always that, that chance that you won't go back and get it. Yeah. So that's, I mean, I guess that's maybe why I did it. Just get it, get it all done. Get it out of the way. Well, I think it's kind of beneficial in some ways because you're still used to being in school, whereas sometimes I look at programs now and I think to myself, I would have to study. I would have to do homework. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> it was all your time. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's just you're not used to it anymore. So I see the merits of both sides. Yeah, I can too. I can too. Yeah. So this episode is part of a series that we call Office of the CFO. And that's when we really dive into how CFOs got their roles. So we've heard a bit about your educational background. Let's get into the career history. Briefly, could you give a summary of what roles led you to taking on your first CFO title? Okay, well, so so currently, right now, is my first CFO title. So kind of going back, I started with Arthur Anderson right out of college. Okay. And then Arthur Anderson crumbled. Yes. I'm not sure. I'm, hopefully all your listeners know about that, um, but I was... If you haven't, Google it. <laughs> yeah, I was very much in the middle of that as a green, green accountant, uh, lost that job. You know, like most people, a lot of people did mm -hmm. kind of bounced around a little bit because the market where I lived was saturated now because all those people lost their jobs. Yeah, so, you know, I kind of had to bounce around a little bit, got into tax at a local firm, which was not, I started an audit because tax is terrible in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And it, I just, I, I have a mental block when it comes to taxes. So I did that for a little while and worked my way back into KPMG. It took a little bit, I think it took two or three years to get back. So I got back into the tax side, worked my way back to the audit side which is where I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. um, I worked at KPMG for eight years, moved to Fort Worth, um, took a, uh, I kind of got out of public, big public, went to little public, a smaller firm in Fort Worth, and then jumped right into my first controller role, and then my second controller role, and then now I'm a CFO. No, I'm not sure if that answers your question. It does. <laughs> yeah. Well, I personally have a block when it comes to taxes, oh too, my gosh. and the IRS says, that's not okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's not an excuse. But you were in public accounting for a good chunk of your career. Yes. Um, what do you think were some of the most valuable lessons that you learned in that time? I think, so, in public accounting, you know, it's the, it seems like everybody knows, you know, you kind of nose to the grindstone. It's terrible hours. And, you know, some of that is true, yes, but... That taught me that the job needs to get done regardless. You know, as, as gruff and rough as it sounds, do your work. That way nobody else has to do it for you. Yeah. And do extra work if you can. That way your managers don't have to pick up that slack. They can continue to do their job properly and so forth and so on. That's kind of, and then that's how I ran it when I was a manager, you know, and, and now as a controller and a CFO, I do my work and I take on others just so everybody can get everything done and nobody has to work 12 or 14 hour days. Yeah. That's just my philosophy. Mm -hmm. 
So you you learned to grind it out a bit in yeah. public accounting. Yep, we had... Um, the rumors are true about the big four. <laughs> it is, it is, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it, but, you know, a lot of people go in for their two years, and that's great. Um, that teaches you a lot, but if you stay in for a little bit longer, I think it's more beneficial because then you learn how to manage people, how to manage projects and, and groups, and you know, and then that you can carry that to a controller role, a CFO role, a CEO role, if you, you know, win and if you get that, get up that high. Let's, let's talk about those controller roles. Um, you were a controller for the National Cutting Horse Association. I have to hear more about yeah. that. First of all, can, for our audience, I actually Googled this, but <laughs> can you explain what cutting horses is? Okay, so a cutting horse is, and this started on ranches out of a necessity. Mm-hmm. So when branding, when it was time to brand, brand the cattle, a cutting horse was used to cut out a cow from the herd and keep that cow outside, you know, from going back to the herd. So they could brand it and then release it back into the herd. Mm-hmm. So now, Cutting Horse Competitions, which is what NCAJ is the overarching agent, um, organization for, they do all the rules and put on the, all the shows. The Cutting Horse Competition shows off the horse's skills. And as the rider is just there, really the rider doesn't do a whole heck of a lot, to be honest. This horse has all of the skills and they train these horses to do that. So to watch them is, it's like almost a cat and mouse game. Mm-hmm. So the, this cow has been taken from the herd and this horse is play, playing with it almost, but very, scientifically is not the right word, but very skillfully to keep this horse away, the cow away from the herd. And so, you know, the horse has to do specific things. There are rules and things that they can and cannot do, but it's very mesmerizing when you watch it because the, the cow just knows, or the horse just knows what it's doing. Yeah, yeah, it's been trained to do that, and it just there's no no information from the the rider at all. The rider cannot influence the horse to do anything. Uh, so I, when I looked into this, I assumed it was kind of the rider like giving indications, but as per usual, we gave too much credit to the humans. It was right? the horses mm-hmm. once, once they're trained up, and so it's very you know. And I don't I don't ride. I don't I don't ride horses. Um, we're motorcycle people, so which made it always confusing when I would go to work and be like, I rode this weekend and everybody, you know, they rode this weekend too, but it was two different conversations. Two very different. Yeah. So I always had to make sure to tell them, no, it was not a horse. It was a motorcycle. Yeah. No, the horses are pretty amazing. So if you don't ride, how did you get into the role? So it was, um, NCHA was a customer of Whitley Penn, which is the local public accounting firm in in Fort Worth that I worked for. So in that transition time, when I was ready to leave public, it was kind of an almost like a natural, because I had been, um, actually I had not been their auditor, but um, the partner that I worked with knew them very well and kind of got me, they were looking for somebody conveniently, so kind of got me in there. It was good enough to get the job, so there I was, and it was, um, it was a learning experience. Yeah. Yeah, that was a, there was a lot going on in that, in that company. Well, I want to go into what you said there about when I was ready to transition out of public accounting. What made you feel that you were ready for that step? Um, you know, because I'd been in public for 12, 13 years at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, we were still newish to Fort Worth. Uh, my husband was, uh, he had transferred here with his job, so we were trying to learn all of that. You know, at some point, I just got more, I just wanted a better work-life balance for, for me. Not that public doesn't have it, but... I needed just a, a change, something different. Yeah, of course. Yeah, something, I think, more ownership, maybe, of the actual work. Because yeah. I enjoy that. Yeah, and you, I, I think, and I am not an auditor, but I got to <laughs> imagine that, like, when you start working privately, you get, like, more connected to a company, you get more connected to the results, and it, I feel like that must be nice to be able to see it through kind of almost its whole life cycle. Yeah, that, I like that part. Again, with the bank reconciliations from all the way back to senior year in high school, like the whole ownership process, <laughs> I mean, it, it resonated in however many years later. Yeah. So, yeah, and in my current role, I, I like that the same. I like being able to say, no, I produce this. This is my work. This is something that I've done. So um, going back into uh, this controller role at the National uh, Cutting Horse Association, what was the day-to-day like there? Was it um, kind of, as someone who's done two controller roles, do you find it to be a very typical controller role, or was there, like, things that were very different? 
Um, I would say probably NCAG was more typical controller role um, mm-hmm. because we had staff. We had staff to do the AR and the AP. So I was doing more all the high level stuff, um, the bank rec, which was just very confusing because they have a lot of payout checks. So it's okay. it's much it's much more involved than your typical bank rec. Um, I was doing you know all the account reconciliations, the month end close. Um, I also was. Um, acting treasurer and acting youth coordinator all kind of at the same time. So it was very busy. Um, mm-hmm. Like half my day would be youth coordinator and half my day would be controller. So gotcha. <laughs> a lot of things. Okay. Yeah. So I guess it was typical in the controller role, but the organization and how the role evolves may be atypical from what usually happens at other small organizations, I'm guessing. Yeah. But how, so how did you kind of balance those two facets? Um, get there early, get there <laughs> work early. hard, <laughs> work hard, um, you know, have 12 hour days, um, split my day, you know, half my day would be youth coordinator. And, and then at some point in the day I would have to stop and be like, I can't do that anymore. Now I need to focus on the controller stuff of what my tasks are. And so I just have to split my day and be mm-hmm. very cautious about splitting my day. So, I mean, that's how I did it. It's a theme we hear a lot. It's a time management and uh, prioritizing and really like holding on to your time. Like this is my hard, my hard line. <laughs> yeah. And that's difficult sometimes. Yeah. Cause you know, people with, with those rules, outside people, you know, your outside customers, your members, they need you, but you've already split your time. You're like, no, I'm working on something else right now. I can't get to you, but then you still want to be cautious of, I need to get back to them before the end of the day to be cautious of their time with whatever they need so it's just a balance it must have been nice though just feeling i I don't want to put words in your mouth but kind of being able to be involved in the business in the coordinator role just because sometimes i think in finance we can get like bogged down by going through numbers and like maybe not like seeing the front of the business as much and that's true. Yeah, that, by doing that, um, I did get to see a different part of the business and interact with folks, members that I wouldn't necessarily have any interaction with because, you know, again, the controller role, they don't need the controller except to cut the checks mm-hmm. at that point in time. So now I got to deal with, like, the youth committee and you know, got to deal with more with – there was a lot of committees involved with NCJ, so I got to see a lot of that action, if you will. Yeah. So, I mean, it was not just numbers all day long. Good. Well, speaking of numbers, were there any KPIs or metrics that you tracked in that job that might be kind of unique to that organization or mostly just you were making sure all the checks got out? <laughs> and, uh, like again, uh, NCJ was very unique in how it runs. Um, KPIs as we know them now and as what NetSuite provides, we didn't have that capability. Uh, we were kind of hair on fire a lot of the time. So it was... <laughs> yes. um, it was just, you know, let's get the numbers to the committees and, and, you know, let them ask us for what they need. Okay. We honestly didn't have time to do additional, like, analysis for the most part because it, it was hair on fire a lot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which, no. I mean, we're kind of seeing, I mean, especially now that it's just so important to be able to do that analysis and being able to make the time for it is very hard, but if you can, it's fantastic. Yeah, and I'm learning that now more in this current role, because now I have that time to kind of analyze and start to create the KPIs with our CRO and our CEO, trying to get um, what the board, because we have a new board, so we're trying to understand what this is board need, how can we create those, and how can we get NetSuite to just give them to us, you know? Yeah. So we're doing all of those things. I am very excited to get into that. Um, But I selfishly have to ask a question. Um, I, as our listeners may know, relentlessly stalk our guests on LinkedIn and other Google searches. Um, (laughs) So you attended a program called Leadership Fort Worth, and uh, you were part of the Leading Edge class of 2017. Can you kind of dive into what that is? So it's a... um a class that you have to apply to and be mm-hmm. accepted in um, in Fort Worth. And what it does is it creates opportunity to enhance your leadership skills by um, doing little projects in teams. You know, you have teams of, of you know, I forget how many were in my class, maybe 20, not, not a whole heck of a lot. But you do little projects. Um, we were assigned uh, 
like almost like competition projects. Like, here's your project, go do it. Who, who did the better one? There was a lot of speaking in front of the, the room, presenting in front of the room. They would bring in uh, community leaders to talk with us so we would learn kind of what was available in Fort Worth, what, what was the need in Fort Worth. So it was a lot of nonprofit um, presenters. So mm-hmm. I think it would help the, lead, the future leaders of Fort Worth to understand what's the need in the community. So maybe in our roles as we grow to be in the C-suite and grow just, you know, in the community at all, we know where the help is needed. So maybe we can advocate for that or go be on boards or, you know, help fundraise or things of that nature. That's amazing. Um, What led you to uh, kind of apply for that and join at that point in time? So at NCHA, the treasurer who came on board, treasurer that came on board um, kind of middle of my career there, she had gone to that leadership okay. forward. So she suggested that I apply to it. So I did and I was accepted. So I mean that's kind of how that that started it was just a recommendation like, hey, I think you should do this. I mean, that's how we mostly get into jobs and mm-hmm. things like that. Recommendations and connections mm-hmm. are huge. Yeah. Can you tell us what do you think was the most valuable takeaway from the program? Um I think learning kind of learning how what's the word I'm looking for, by others' expectation and how they view you, you know, based on how this class went. I got a lot of feedback from others in the group that, um, you know, I kind of took leadership of little little group projects that we did um, and that they appreciated that. So, I mean, that made me feel good because sometimes I feel, you know, in group projects as in college or anywhere else, somebody always has to take the lead. Right. It's just how it works. And I feel like I do that more often and at least I'm happy to see it wasn't, shown and nobody saw it as like controlling you know because I don't want that aspect I don't want to be seen as like a controlling of all of the aspects of things but as more of a leader um hey let's get this done what parts do you need to do what parts do you need to do let's just get this done so we can get it done and be done with it you know that's kind of how I I do things and I was just happy that others viewed it that way too but I I do want to note of that I think it's really interesting because you have like kind of this personality that you're like I'm going to I'm going to take charge, not in like uh, an aggressive way, but like, I know what I want to do. I like doing this. I'm going to go for this. And I I think that's a really valuable trait in a career because you can get a little stuck thinking uh, I'm the person in the, in the group sometimes is thinking, huh, I wonder when someone else is going to (laughs) volunteer to take charge because I don't want to. That's funny. That's funny. And you know, out of that, I did get asked to be on the board for one of the local, and it's it's actually a national organization, but one, the local branch of um, the Girl Scouts. That's fantastic. One of, the, one of the other members called me specifically and said, hey, would you like to be on board for this? Which made me feel good that she picked me out of the whole class to ask if I wanted to be on the board. Right. I, and so did you... Um, yeah, I'm still... You, and you're still on mm-hmm. it. Right now That's, I'm on the finance committee. Oh, I've okay. kind of bounced around from finance committee to audit committee. So, but it was still nice to be asked. Yeah. Let's jump forward to today and talk farm chem. Can you give um, our listeners and just kind of a breakdown of what farm chem does? Okay, great. Yeah, so farm chem, we are the manufacturer and sole distributor of the farm check sweat patch. And what that is, is a patch that is worn on the body, almost like one of the biggest band-aids that you can buy over the counter. That's kind of what it looks like just to give a visual. Mm-hmm. It's worn on the body for seven to 10 days and it collects the sweat of the, the donor. Once the seven to 10 days are up, that patch is sent to the lab, and the lab analyzes it for any uh, illegal drugs that were ingested by the donor. Okay. And it reports out, hey, this donor did, you know, whatever it was. We test for, for a whole, we test for a lot of things. We test for cocaine, you know, marijuana, meth, amphetamine, uh, fentanyl. There's a, a whole laundry list of things that we test for. But yeah, that's, that is the only thing that we do. And what is the customer base for that? Like, is it mostly organizations that are buying the patches or is it individual? So right now it's mostly the criminal justice arena that we're in. Okay. So it's, you know, probation, pretrial, judge mandated, you know, kind of monitoring. It's more the monitoring of offenders or people who are, you know, pre going into into jail, trying to keep them out of jail, 
um, by monitoring to make sure that they are not that they're clean mm-hmm. um, so yeah that's and we're trying right now we're we're looking into where can we expand outside of the criminal justice arena okay are there any thoughts on that um you know we would love to be you know uh, pre-employment or oh. just employment mm-hmm. you know it would be amazing if we could be like all off the shelf if we could be almost like you know uh, like cvs or walgreens if we could be a kit that you could buy off the shelf and would have somebody wear your, your child for instance for three days and then send it to the lab and you know, see what pops up but we're we're still in the baby phases of that mm-hmm. because that takes a lot uh, there's a lot of steps that we still need to go through to to do that is that kind of regulation based steps regulation based steps um who do we talk to? Yes. You know, I, you know finding <laughs> finding the right person, um, figuring out, you know, because we're FDA cleared, our device is FDA cleared, so we figure out do we need the FDA clearance to do these other things? Do we need, um, you know, an MRO to review the results before they can be passed off to an employer or a parent? So there's still a lot of things that we're researching before we can fully commit to, you know, what the additional streams would be. That's that's amazing. So, um, that is a very different industry. It is. It's very different. Um, first of all, how did you make that switch? Uh, so, so this was actually interesting. So I was um, looking for. So um, NCJ unfortunately laid me off. So I was looking for a different job, mm-hmm. and um, I came across this one. And then I was like, uh, you know, I wasn't sure, so I didn't apply for it. Well, uh, the one of the partners that I worked at worked with at Whitley Penn, the partner or the, the CEO from FarmChem called him about a different Shauna. And so <laughs> the partner was telling him about me. And so that's how it started. And the, the CEO called me directly and said, hey, do you want to apply for this job? You were recommended by the partner of Whitley Penn. So it all kind of was just weird happenstance because um, I think her last name was very similar to mine. Mm-hmm. So I could understand where his confusion would be, but I'm kind of happy that he was telling, was talking about me. And then I interviewed. It was, it was a three-hour interview. Okay. With the CEO and the CFO, just the three of us. Wow. It was a very intense interview, and I joke about it now because it was, you know, I had to fly to Phoenix for it. It was over lunch. Nobody fed me. You know, and then I flew. You can't say over lunch <laughs> if no one beats you. Nobody fed me. And then I flew there in the morning and I flew home that night. And I, I mean, that was a very intense interview. So, I mean, I honestly didn't think that I got it. I, I, after three hours? After like, three I, hours. I hope you would. <laughs> well, you know, because I was fortunate enough um, ahead of time. I had asked, can I see financials? Can I see? And they gave them to me so I could have some basis for questions when I went into the interview. Well, I asked a question. I said, you know, this number's here, over here. Should they match? Just an innocent question. And now that I know the CFO, he was like, don't question my work. And I was like, oh, no. I totally, I have totally offended this man. And I'm never, I, I should just leave now. <laughs> so we finished the interview. And I ended up getting the offer, which was amazing. And I've been here for five years now. Do you, do you think he did that on purpose? Like... I think it was a dry, it was a, a dry joke. Yes. And so, because we didn't know each other, but it was, I think, a little bit serious, but not, like, detrimental. Right. Now you look at it and you think, oh, okay. And I joke with him now. I'm like, <laughs> you made me feel so awkward. <laughs> Anytime he talks to you, you say, don't question don't me. Don't question my work. <laughs> my work is perfect. First of all, <laughs> I, I wonder what happened to other Shauna. I don't know. I don't know. I should look her up and be like, because I know her name. Be like, where did you end up? Other Shauna, if you are listening, <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> sorry. Our names are similar. <laughs> How did six out of the top seven best performing tech stocks gain visibility and control over financials, inventory, planning, and budgeting with NetSuite by Oracle? Answers at NetSuite.com slash code. NetSuite.com slash code. So was this a difficult learning curve just because it was very different from your past industries or numbers are numbers? You know, and I, thank you for saying that because I, people ask me, I'm like, accounting is accounting. Yeah. I mean, it, it just is. I mean, I, I have to learn different things about accounting, but accounting, boil it down is 
debits and credits. As my husband likes to say, you just do some journal entries. So, you know, so I had to learn the company and what we did. Um, I'm still not up on the, all the, the chemistry and the science, but I listened through the walls um, to the, the two men that I share the office with. And I learned things. And I'm amazed, and I have questions that are not accounting related at all. You know, as you know, you, you hear somebody say something, and I'm like, um, "Excuse me, I have a question." You just said this. I'm like, Hi, "What?" So I've learned, like, you know, what over-the-counter things have, you know, like legal meth in them. And I'm like, "Oh, I didn't know any of those things existed." Yeah. So very interesting things. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I'll stop what I'm doing and I'll go bother them, and I'm like, "Okay, tell me more." <laughs> so it's been, you know, I've enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, do you have any advice for people that are joining in an industry that maybe they don't know a lot about, like how they can kind of learn the business and learn the the product and the customers um, kind of efficiently? So, you know, kind of what how I've done this is I listen through the walls. Mm-hmm. And that's what I like to tell people. I mean, it's kind of we're a small office, so I can listen to the walls. But I mean, pay attention. Don't. You know, don't just have music on during the day, especially when you're new. Listen to other people's conversations with customers or with each other or, you know, research your own website, your your company's website. Go through it. All taps, all links. Make sure that you can speak proficiently to what your, what your company is selling, even though you're just the accountant, you know. You still need to be able to know what your company's doing. I think the website's a great place to start mm-hmm. and asking questions. I mean, if people are willing to talk to you, ask all the questions. That's what I do. I mean, I still do it. If I says, if they say something, I'm like, wait, we do what? I ask questions. I do feel like it puts you in a position of strength when you know the business better. I do. I, like you're just better able to make decisions or understand the numbers. It, it's, I think it's a little underrated. <laughs> And you can speak better to the board. Yes, you know, as a controller, you may not have so much connection or time with the board, but as a CFO, you do. Um, And that was, uh, I had, when I changed from controller to CFO, I had a lot more talks with the board. It was daily. It was talking with the board, with the chairman. Um, So you do want to be able to know what the company does, how it's affecting the numbers you're presenting. That way you can speak to sales are down or up you can know why so I think having an auditor's mentality maybe has helped me with that mm-hmm. because I as an auditor you have to know why you ask the questions yes and you expect the controller or the CFO to understand what happened to give you the answer so I think I still hold that so I know what all of my accounts are doing why they're doing it I hold on to that I can't let go of the auditor's mentality <laughs> good it, it sounds like it's benefited you. yeah makes my audits go very smoothly yes <laughs> You're just going to your uh, auditors like, what do you need? Yeah. What, how can I how can I help? <laughs> yeah. Here's all the information you need. Day one. <laughs> I've, I've sorted it for yeah. you. <laughs> Don't ask me questions. It's all here. <laughs> Don't question my work. Don't question my work. It's perfect. <laughs> one thing. So you mentioned you're, you were the controller for um, FarmChem for four years prior to becoming CFO. It almost feels mon- uh, kind of inane to ask this question, but do you think it was? a good precursor to becoming CFO of the company. I do. Um, and in, the, in this instance, um, when I started the CFO, I was hired to replace the CFO in his retirement. Mm-hmm. That was the whole plan. That was the whole reason to hire me. Um, so, you know, during this time, he, he wouldn't retire. <laughs> I was going to say, did they give him four years to transition? No. So, Thinking uh, ahead. Yeah, so uh, he just, you know, things kept coming up that he would need to be involved in or, or wanted to be involved in. Um, so what kind of happened? We got, uh, we were involved in a hostile takeover. Okay. Yes. Um, so in that transition, brand new board, CFO and CEO were asked to resign. Mm-hmm. So I was promoted to CFO in that instance, okay. um, you know, and the CFO holds no, you know, he, that he's happy. Mm-hmm. He trained me. He trained me very well. Um, there was a few things that he only took care of that I'm still learning like with the shareholders and the board. But um, I think in this instance, he trained me to be the CFO. Yes. So it was a good precursor. He made sure that I knew everything that was going on, everything that he was doing, whether or not I helped him with it or not, but he knew he made sure to tell me everything that he was doing which was helpful. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm kind of curious about, can you, can you talk about just kind of being 
put into the CFO role under those circumstances? <laughs> was it was it hard just to? I mean, you have a new board. Like, how do you build those relationships and kind of institute some trust? And hey, we're we're going forward like this. Uh, it's obviously difficult. It, it's difficult in that instance because you know, so you're hostily taken over. It wasn't a choice. It it, it happened. I was thankful to be retained by the company, obviously, and not asked to leave also because I was old regime versus the new regime, which they were trying to build. But I just gave them what they wanted. I gave them the information they asked for. I mean, there was no reason for me to hold anything back. We're not trying to hide anything. So I think in that instance, I was able to build that relationship of trust when they ask for something, I give it to them. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't sugarcoat it. These are the numbers. What do you need? What, inform- what additional information do you need? And you kind of uh, touched on this briefly earlier, but you talked about kind of understanding what metrics and KPIs that, you know, the board wants, the CEO wants. Uh, how do you kind of decipher, okay, these are the numbers. Do you let them just make the call of what they want to see? Yeah, for this instance, we did. We worked with them, you know, because again, brand new board. They were new to, they knew the company, but they didn't know the guts of the company. So, you know, they would ask, okay, can you provide this to us? So the CRO and myself would work on getting the, that information weekly for them and providing it to them. That's what they asked for. So we were together working on KPIs, what was beneficial to them and what we could provide. Sometimes what they need, you can't. I mean, it's just a number that's impossible to, to pull. Mm-hmm. So we got comfortable with what we were able to provide. And then the new CEO came on and he has kind of taken the role of providing the KPIs to the board based out of, I'm guessing, based out of the system. He doesn't ask for a lot of information in regards to those. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing now that that's what he's providing up to them based on what they've asked for, what they need. Can you talk about that collaboration with um, your CRO and kind of determining these numbers and making sure you pull the right ones? What's that collaboration like? Because in my limited experience with finance aka i interview a lot of finance people it kind of sounds like finance says okay this is the numbers we're tracking and kind of sends it off but i think it's becoming more imperative for uh finance to collaborate across the organization and pull the numbers that they find integral as well so i just wanted to hear a little bit about that well so maybe i didn't mention this but we're very small okay a company of nine wow okay so um, that just happens organically. I mean, you can't, we can't run this company without communicating with each other. And we don't provide numbers up to the board without both of us agreeing that, you know, without both of us essentially pulling it and agreeing that we both pulled the same numbers. So before we gave it to the board, both of us would make sure that we were on the same page. We agree that those were the numbers we were going to present and that we could justify them and pull them again if we had to out of the, out of the system. And that's how we would collaborate. Yes. I mean, it was a it was a every morning, Monday morning. Hey, these are the numbers I pulled. Did you pull the same things? Are we in agreement? Let's get them out to the board. Well, speaking of pulling numbers, uh, can you talk a little bit about how technology has kind of played a role at FarmChem? Where are you where are you at in your big technology journey? <laughs> <laughs> so when I started there, we were on QuickBooks. Mm-hmm. And QuickBooks is great. It was great for, we were at that point a company of six. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it worked well. It just didn't have a CRM, a true CRM piece to it. We'll come new board, we hired four new salespeople. So with this new sales staff, we needed a proper CRO, CRM, mm-hmm. proper CRM. All, um, all the acronyms. All the, all the acronyms. <laughs> we had a CRO, but we needed a CRM. So, you know, we did some research and NetSuite was actually the system that looked like it would work the best for us for CRM. So NetSuite was the one that was picked to move forward with. Um, and we spent, we spent a good chunk of time going through development because we had to develop a very specific invoice import process for our lab invoices or the way we were doing before we were going through access and then import into QuickBooks. We wanted to just do it all in one, just up, upload it one time. That was a good eight months worth of development, testing, all the things, in addition to all the other testing for user um, implementation. So we went live on one one of this year. We've tried, we are working on doing two additional modules 
now we're almost done with them, which is the commission module and the um, Dunning letters module. Okay. Um, so right now, I don't believe that we have any other modules in sight. We learned about the CRM dashboard since I've been here. So I'm going to go look into that and see if that would be helpful for our sales team. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that we've seen that before. So, I mean, I'm gonna, I have a list of things and we're going to go back and I'm going to see, okay, is this something you need or is this too many things that aren't helpful right now as we're trying to build the Priorities. sales team and, yeah, and build their processes. So do you, you've now been in the CFO role at PharmChem for about a year. Um, how does it differ from the day-to-day of the controller role? <laughs> so... Again, we're nine. We're nine folks. Um, I'm the only one in finance. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, so my role consists of all the things. I mean, I do. I input checks, customer checks into the system. I do credit card payments from the customers. You know, I, I do all the AP invoices. The CEO approves them, so I do have some controls in there. Um, and then we pay them. I do all the financials, the month-end reporting, the audits. Um, the only thing really that did change from controller to CFO was now I deal with the shareholders more. Okay. Not all, all the time, but still, there's still, that piece was um, walled off from me as the controller. So now it's opened up um, and then um, the board, the more the more with the board. So I would say my day-to-day hasn't changed per se. There seems to be more tasks, more asks from the board, from the CEO, from the CRO, but the accounting part hasn't really, mm-hmm. hasn't changed. I, I have two questions. One, so you don't have a controller now? No. Oh. Yeah. That's Come okay. On. It's me. Oh. Me. I'm controller <laughs> slash CFO. <laughs> well, controller slash CFO slash vice president, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Slash. I had a question around that. Um, what does the vice president role entail? Is it any responsibilities outside your CFO? No, role? I think okay. it was more of a um, corporate structure. Okay just to make sure that we had all the appropriate titles. Being so small, you know, it's kind of, it. I think it's just there, to be honest with you. I haven't had to do anything officially in a vice president I, capacity. I think you have enough on your plate. Yeah. So. I'm, I'm HR too, if you want to throw that in my in my title. Do you? Yeah. Goodness gracious. I have a lot of, okay. a lot of hats. <laughs> well, how does HR play into all this? I mean, so it's not as time consuming as it as it was because so i was okay. hr at, at ncha as well um, being a company of nine you know so payroll super easy we we're all salary mm-hmm. so that takes there's no time sheets there's no none of that so it's all run payroll be done be done in 20 minutes um, benefits when benefit time comes around that's more time consuming because you have to go out to market and then evaluate what comes back and then explain it to everybody and then go through all of the open enrollment um, New hire, I kind of have that down. I think we don't hire a lot of people, but I have my little packet put together, um, ready for when that happens. So HR doesn't take a lot of time, but it's still a hat that I wear. Do you find it to be kind of complementary to your CFO role? I think so, and I actually enjoy it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something different. Um, I kind of enjoy it. Yeah, you get a little more people focus mm-hmm. in there. Yep. Yeah, a little like the uh, junior coordinator yeah. as well. Yeah. You're just, you, you can't just take one job. No, I don't think that, I, I like to try, but when I do, I'm like, oh, all these other things need, okay, I'll just, I'll just take them. These need to get done. These need to get done. How did, did you find it hard to develop kind of the skills needed to interact with the shareholders and the board? Because you just hear horror stories of people who come into that capacity and just have no idea how to communicate with them and then everything goes south and (laughs) how do you how do you build and maintain those relationships so you know we have a few very large shareholders one of them is is the 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 board chairman so the other ones i've had you know they don't they don't have a lot of communication they don't have a lot of asks of us Um, so i've had limited honestly limited communication with shareholders and it's all been pleasant you know, it hasn't been, I haven't had any negative interactions with the shareholders. Um, sometimes I need information, you know, because some of them do have to be on the tax return. So I do have to get personal information. They've been more than happy to share it. No questions asked. Um, so it's just a, a little added tasks task on my plate right now. But so far, knock on wood, I haven't had any, haven't had ang- any angry shareholders. Good. Yeah. That's the goal. Yeah. <laughs> 
Is there kind of a typical day in your shoes of what you kind of focus on, the breakdown between perhaps core accounting and finance versus management and leadership? Um, I don't know. Kind of every day is different. Month end, the first 10 days of the month are always the same. I have the same tasks to do. So that, that doesn't vary really. It's just everything else is sprinkled in there. You know, if, if anybody, an employee needs something, I'll stop what I'm doing and help them. If a customer needs something with the AR, because all the Dunning letters, they go out every day now. So now it's every day mm-hmm. get back rather than, you know, we would send the letters once a month. And then that, that day or two days would be all AR questions. Now it's sprinkled in. So, you know, I make sure that everybody gets what they need from me before I can finish what I do. Because mm-hmm. I don't need anybody to do my tasks, but people might need something for me to finish their tasks. Okay. So it's my mentality. Help them first, get them what they need, and then finish what I'm trying to do. So, but I don't have a typical day. They're all kind of different. That's good. Yeah. It keeps you on your toes. It does. It does. It's not the same mundane, doing the same thing every day. It's, here are my tasks for the day, what I'd like to get done. Mm-hmm. What gets done sometimes isn't isn't anywhere on that list. And sometimes I find some of my to-dos just go like from week to week to week. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm starting a, st- a new week with the same exact task. I have a sticky <laughs> over here that I find three papers down. I'm like, oh yeah, none of those things have been done yet. <laughs> it just continues and I look past through like my old notebooks and I'm like, you stuck with those for a while. <laughs> so it pops up on my calendar and it's like, this is five weeks overdue. I'm like, I know. I know. I know. It's I'm on a, my list. I'm aware. I'm aware. <laughs> So one thing we talked about uh, when you were a controller at the uh, Cutting Horse Association, um, you didn't really have as much time to really analyze KPIs and metrics and kind of, it was, let's get the numbers to the people and we'll go from there. Now, do you have more time to be more strategic in how you choose the numbers and how you analyze them? Yes and no. Yes and no. it's been uncharacteristically busier right now, and I don't, I can't really explain why it seems like my time has been taken away. Um, so I still haven't mastered the analytical side of the numbers. Um, you know, I, I put, since I, I guess maybe because I, I do all the input and I put all the numbers together, I know what's in them and I know why, they've, why they have fluctuated. Um, and I write, each month I write a, a memo that goes with the financial statements to explain why everything's changed. So maybe that is my analytical part is when I write that memo. Well, so understanding yeah. why is great. Yeah, so I guess I do do that. I just don't think about it that way because mm-hmm. it's just part of my normal my normal checklist of things to do through month and close is to get that for management, which you know, is one step up. So the CEO, if he has a question on why the summer changed, it's explained in the memo. Mm-hmm. And if he's looking at it at 2 in the morning, and I'm obviously not available, the answer is there for him. Right. So I, I guess I try I, So, yeah, I guess I do do that. I still yeah. think about it like that. No, I, <laughs> I think you think of it as making sure that they can understand. But in reality, you have to do some analysis for that to happen. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I never thought about it like that. Uh, so how do you track uh, success as a CFO? Um, are there KPIs that you track against on a regular basis? Um. The one thing I look at every day is um, on my dashboard, I have number of days customer um, AR outstanding. Okay. I just keep an eye on that number. I know it's probably the most minor of all things, but we have a lot of customers and we have, we have, you know, U.S. government, state governments, and they, mm-hmm. they don't pay on time just based on how they have to go to the state and get money. So they're always at least 30 to 60 days out. Um, but, you know, some of our non-governmental customers, you know, I just want to make sure that number stays under 35, just because we know that that's a good number for us. Okay. But, you know, AR seems to be what I feel like if, if I can get AR under control, that I'm doing a good job. Because mm-hmm. AR is just so very time consuming. And if I can get my financials out on time and the board, you know, on time for the when I promise them to the board, I track that as I was successful for this month. Mm-hmm. Does NetSuite help kind of speed up that process of getting the financials? It does. Um, I still have... I still have work to do in transitioning from old to new. NetSuite is great. It pulls all the information for me. But we still have internal financial statements that we create in Excel. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've, it's just historical. Um, it helps with the audit, so there is a reason behind it. Because 
when the, here, the auditor, everything's there. You know, it's just, it's all there. So I continue to do it, I think, more as a comfort for me that it's going to help in my audit. It's going to already be done. Um, but, you know, I need to start transitioning to just pulling the reports from NetSuite, formatting them, making them pretty, and sending them along. Maybe not doing all the extra work in the background that I need to do, and that's on me. Again, it's hard know, to break habits. I don't know when I'm going to find the time to do that, <laughs> but it's a thought like I need to maybe just try it one month. Like, hey, here are the financial statements. Here's my memo. Are we good? Like, is this is this enough information for you? Are we happy with the format? And see what they say. Yeah, it's worth a shot. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I just I just haven't done it yet. I mean, I'm biased, but I think so. Yeah. <laughs> it would save a little bit of, of Excel work, but. But again, like I said, habits are hard to break. And if it's useful, it's hard to, to like go by the wayside because you're like, no, I need that for whatever. But right. It's just, it's something in the back of my head on my task list. Like, hey, let's, let's try this on a month where you're not extremely busy. Do you ever do the thing where you keep saying, well, next month I'm not going to be that busy. Yes. And then you hit that month and it's like, Someone oh, you need something. Oh, I'm still busy. Yeah. <laughs> like from like the 22nd to the end of the month are kind of the days that I have free free time in air quotes free time to do the tasks on my little stickies Mm -hmm. you know and that's when I tell people I'm like no I have time to do these tasks that have been waiting for me and inevitably somebody needs something that's a bigger project or so I I take care of that I'm like where did my free days go (laughs) I do the same yes we can't really talk about your role today without kind of talking about the past two and a half three years Mm -hmm. I feel like every industry we talked to had some unique challenges uh, that they had to face, whether that be a volatile economy, a pandemic, a talent shortage, supply chain issues. Have you found that FarmChem has had issues with those and how have you overcome them? So we did. So when the pandemic hit, um, we knew it happened because at that point in time, the federal government had put a stop on urine testing, urine drug testing. Okay. Well, we're an alternative to that. Mm-hmm. So we, our orders exploded because, Interesting. yeah, which we did not, we weren't prepared for. Obviously, nobody yeah. was prepared for the pandemic. <laughs> I don't think anyone, I, and I don't think anyone could have predicted that consequence. Uh-uh. So, you know, we were baffled. Um, so we were trying to play catch up. Um, supply chain issue was a problem, you know. Had we known it was coming, we obviously would have, or, or we would have had a bigger inventory supply to meet those demands. We didn't know it was going to happen. Of course. Um, so, you know, we were taking all these orders in. And during that time, I was a packer and shipper during the day and an accountant at night. Oh, my goodness. Because you forgot to add that to oh, your yeah, yeah. job title. Oh, that's right. I also can pack and ship. Could you send me just a list <laughs> of all the things printed out for me? <laughs> but, you know, because in, in, our, in our Fort Worth office, we have three people. Well, mm-hmm. they couldn't have done it all. So, I mean, we were prepping orders left and right. And they would, so we have chains of custodies because it's, you know, you have to have the chain of custody with the patch to go all the steps to get to the lab. Well, they were printing, I mean, there was piles and piles and piles of these printed chains. So I was just taking the pile, making the, creating the box, shipping it out, getting it out the door so our customers could have it in hand as soon as possible. And then I'd go home and I'd do my journal entry and my cash, you know, all the things that I had to do for myself during that day. The next day would be the same. I mean, this was going on for months. Yeah. yeah it, so it's, it, it has leveled out mm-hmm. now. Um, and, you know, it's, it, we're trying to figure out what is really driving the changes now. You know, the pandemic raised our, we did great. We had raised revenue in 2021, it was still high. And now we're kind of trending down and we're still trying to figure out what's happening with the criminal justice arena and how do we get into the other arenas to kind of counteract while this revenue is temporarily going down, all the all the things that we're trying to do. But it did, it impacted us in a good way. We our sales went through the roof mm-hmm. in 2020, which again, we couldn't have predicted. We had, we were super busy. Right. Yeah. So yeah, Pecker and Chipper, add that to my, I, I will. To my resume. Oh my goodness. 
I want you to add this all to your LinkedIn. I'm gonna have this, to okay? be like, be like she said, because you're not giving yourself enough credit. <laughs> and it's funny because I don't ever, th- I just do it. You know, I don't think about it, and it just needs to be done. So, oh my gosh, I get to my end of year, and I'm like, one time I did a job <laughs> that was outside my own. I would like you to know that. <laughs> but on my evaluation, do you remember when I did all that these one things? time <laughs> that I like for me? It's like, do you remember that one time I went outside my scope? Uh, <laughs> give me a raise. I would right. I would like you to make. Give me a check mark, please, and a sticker. I want to make sure you're giving yourself enough credit. <laughs> I appreciate that. My husband does the same thing. He's like, when you play I, it down. I, I mean, it's just my nature. I just, I mean, I, like I said, I put my head down, I get the jobs done, and I don't think about it. I yeah. just do it. I'm I, not trying. That's not like a humble brag or anything. Like I'm not. No, I'm really, See, you're trying. worried about this, and I am. You're taking credit. No, <laughs> I am. I don't want. To, no. I don't want the listeners to be like, "Oh, now she's on a high." Oh, I'm really okay. not. <laughs> I'm really not. No, I think everyone recognizes like how crazy the pandemic was and how valuable a lot of individuals and organizations were. I mean, I interviewed a a whiskey company where people were literally packaging up whiskeys in their home, taking it to like the post office or FedEx and just like getting it out the door to keep their their business and their customers going. That's yeah. Yeah. I I mean, they were just like, it had to get done. I, I, I again said, you don't take enough credit. You had a whiskey packing plant in your home (laughs) (laughs) and that's funny you said that I mean we were doing things at our homes too because we have Mm -hmm. tweezers that go with it kits but they need to be sealed in individual bags okay so we're shipping that out the ceiling because our our local vendor they were reduced staff so they couldn't take our volume so we were doing that at home all of us were taking the sealed tweezers and making bags of 50 and so I mean yeah my husband helped do that we were Counting to 50 and putting it in a bag. <laughs> counting to 50 and putting it in a bag. <laughs> so, counting out bags. We have, you know, specimen bags. and tra- We're doing that. Counting, making 50 bags. So um, I did a lot at home, too, and I was like, I forget about that. So add that to the list. Yeah. I mean, oh, a warehouse. <laughs> and your husband's now an employee. He is. <laughs> he is. Yep. Oh. <laughs> See, I, I love hearing stories of, like, how people kind of – came together to keep things going because oh, yeah. it was it was a hard time it was but and what we have done had we not all chipped in to do extra exactly. tasks yes yeah yeah um well so looking forward to today we've calmed down a little things are kind of going better but it's still it's still tricky there's mm-hmm. a lot going on do you have top priorities or kind of things that you're focusing on today the com- company-wide mm-hmm. company-wide you know yes like like i mentioned before we're trying to to kind of evaluate the criminal justice, our customers and, you know, the trends that are happening that, you know, haven't happened in the past or that it's been a long time since they've happened. Um, and, you know, we're trying to move forward, trying to get new new business, but trying to figure out the avenues on how to do that. Um, you know, we're, we're hiring a product manager here soon oh, perfect. to help with that process. Yeah. Um, yep. So we're going to, you know, that will hopefully open more doors and figure out what steps do we need to take? And that might make that might entail some help for me with applications to to different things for I don't know what you have to do for this for this next process, but you know I don't know I might have some role in that too. So maybe I'll be most likely. Yeah, somebody will ask. Somebody will add me, ask me to do something, and and you know I'll happily do it. So that's exciting. Yes, I, I think that's like there's so much growth opportunity out there for you guys. There is. I, I know government and regulation and everything makes it hard but once you get over that i mean that's yeah. huge and you know it, and it's funny i joke so when i first started i was like why aren't we like doing this with like the nfl or the nba you know i see that as a great opportunity because you know that they they do drug test these players but if there's a problem slap a patch on them seven to ten days and that way you know for sure you see like a, a whole picture instead of just like one yeah, single sample. Yeah, and I mean, I, I mentioned that to, I mentioned that like day five when I first started. I was like, why are we doing? <laughs> that's when I was, you know, we're only in the the criminal. I was like, okay, I understand that. And then now I told my CEO, the new CEO, I was like, this is my my vision. Make go make it happen. <laughs> well, some of the more recreational level sports, like like different trail races and things like that, are starting to do tests as well. So see, and that's yeah. good. That's good. Um. So. Last question yes. for you here. Um, if you were to be speaking to an aspiring CFO and you had to just give one piece of advice from your career, what would you tell them to do? 
could be a skill that they should develop, should it be like a personality trait that they should work on, just kind of something that has really, you found driven your own success. I think, and maybe it's a personality trait that I have, but I feel like listening Mm -hmm. to, you know, your customers and your customers could be your CEO, your treasurer, your employees, um, customers outside for the organization. Listen to what they are needing, what they they want. Um, ask questions. Ask a lot of questions. Even if you think it's a dumb question, ask it. I do that all the time. Um, that way you have all the information you need to get them what they need. I mean, that's, the, that's how I do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I did that as an auditor. I've done that in all of my you know, controller CFO roles, and it seems to work well for me. Perfect. Um, and and we've seen that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, thank you so much, Shauna, for joining us today. I really enjoyed this. And I, I think our listeners are going to get a, a lot of value just kind of hearing about your career path. I hope so. I hope so. It was a pleasure doing this. Thank you for having me. Well, guys, that's another great episode in the books. It never gets old for me seeing all the different paths that CFOs take on the way to that role and how their experience really plays into it. One thing that really stuck out to me with Shauna, though, was uh, her emphasis on providing relevant KPIs to her board of directors and her shareholders just to keep them looped in on performance. Maintaining those relationships, it's kind of an art form. Uh, So it's interesting seeing someone prioritize those really up-to-date numbers to bridge that gap and kind of inspire confidence. So thank you so much to Shauna for joining us on this podcast. Definitely an episode to remember, and I'm excited to see where FarmChem goes next. And as always, thank you to our wonderful editing team at Lampstand and all of you, of course, for tuning in. If you want more episodes just like this one, make sure you subscribe to our channel and give us a rating and review. Until next time, talk soon. You just listened to the NetSuite podcast. Be sure to tune in every week with more NetSuite developments, stories, and insights into the benefits of one integrated system to help you run your business.